Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with episode number 117 of The Yacking Show. This is the show where we awaken you to new perspectives and help you move into the changing world we're living in. We always have an interesting lineup of guests. Today is no exception, international businessmen and all sorts of other things. But before we do that, it's my job to introduce and welcome my co-host, Kathleen Beauvais in Waterloo. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. The sun is shining. It's wonderful. Thank you. And thank you all so much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. I'm very excited about this interview. Uh, Welcome, Phil Palucha. Hello, Phil. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Oh, well, we're, we're really excited to have you with us. And you are actually coming to us from Liverpool. I am indeed. And you are one of the top 100 podcasters in the world and also founder of Billionaires in Boxers. Phil, can you tell our audience a little bit more about a little bit about your background and what led you to what, what actually what is Billionaires in Boxers? <laughs> let's start with that one right because okay. that's the first one everybody always wants to know is like where did the name come from i love from? it <laughs> um so billionaires in boxes was actually originally a joke um it was it's kind of it's captured my sense of humor through everything we do in our business so um as you said been podcasting for a long time over 12 years now i grew and sold two podcasting networks and have been using podcasting for business for a very very long time so um, well, I'm sure we'll get into that in more detail, but we got our show was picked up by a couple of global radio stations and we were then working with them directly. And then a few years ago, we got picked up for our first TV series, but because we'd been um, on these sort of radio shows as their business hour, so to speak, the shows already had a name and it wasn't our name. We just kind of took it. Um, so they were like, well, you need a name for the TV show and everything I suggested they hated. Uh, And I don't mean like it it was workable. I mean, everything I suggested was just off the table. (laughs) Um, I was not that creative guy. They were like, dude, we just stop making suggestions. So I started just getting silly with it. Uh, And then eventually I said, well, how about billionaires in boxes? Because I grow global empires from home and I rarely put on pants. Um, And they were like, we love it. And I was like, I was joking. And they're like, no, no, really, really, we love it. (laughs) We're going to go with that. And what ended up happening was the show was such a success. The series was was such a success that people started to recognize us as billionaires in boxes before they even knew our name. Uh, Oh, you're the billionaires in boxes guy. So because it was so successful, we did a complete rebrand of all of the business, the publicity business, the production business. We do television management. So everything was all just changed and put under the name of billionaires in boxes. And we've been kind of having a lot of fun with it ever since. (laughs) <laughs> isn't that amazing <laughs> I, I quite like the fact it's just my joke you know it's like yeah there's the, the business is doing really well we're working with clients all over the world and what's been really interesting is everybody seems to have a different perspective on the brand and i've never had that with a brand before i've always kind of been right. the brand yeah this kind of, this brand almost has like a life of its own and, it, and it's already gone to places i never imagined that it could but some people will say things to me like oh well to me this name meant that you know you're having nice relaxed conversations like you would chilling around in your boxer shorts with billionaires and it's like well 
we do do that. That does happen. <laughs> and it's like, oh, to me, it means like you're becoming a billionaire in your boxers. And it was like, well, again, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So let's go with that one. And then I've even had somebody say, oh, well, for me, I thought you meant boxers is in like the sport. So I thought it was kind of like the hustle and grind part of the billionaire's life. And I was like, well, maybe actually that applies too. So, mm. so it ticks a lot of boxes for people. Yeah, and and isn't that a wonderful thing for a brand to do, especially one that started as a joke? I mean, absolutely. People spend thousands on hundreds of thousands on building brands, and they don't get that I know. impact. So uh, no, and I did it by accident. Isn't it ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. marvelous. So you be you've been really successful in podcasting, as you mentioned. You you built and sold two podcasting networks mm-hmm. and uh, other businesses, and you now your business is promoting podcasts. So many, many people have tried podcasting and we see it's getting really popular, but but very few are successful in the long run. So Mm -hmm. what do you attribute your success to, Phil? It's a good question. Um, Before I answer that, I just want to clarify, actually, we, we don't do the publicity for podcasts directly. We do publicity using podcasting. So we are, we are very much business focused. So around 70% of my work is with the investment community. So investment banks, private equity, VCs, working with their portfolios to, I mean, the three things we kind of say we're best at is helping people get more market share, more media coverage and the right funding introductions. Um, So they're kind of where we specialize. I guess if I had to, attribute anything it's probably going to sound like a really strange thing to say especially while there's an audience listening it's that i never really thought much about the audience um for me for me the the audience is an amazing byproduct and don't get me wrong i love empowering the audience i love how big the audience grows we've even made money from the audience but for me the power of podcasting is not in the audience it's in the networking it's the mm-hmm. it's the fact that that person that you would love to have 10 minutes with on the phone that won't give you that time will give you 45, 60 minutes on a podcast interview to build a relationship with them. Um, it's essentially like the VIP backstage pass to your industry, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, think of it this way. If you go to a coach and say, look, you're, you're a world-class coach. I'd love to do some business with you. Can we have an hour on the phone? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, sure, here's my invoice. Yeah. Right. But if you say, do you want to come on a podcast and talk to me? They'll say, sure, no problem. And it's like a one-on-one mentorship session. Uh, You know, I have a saying, which is your vibe attracts your tribe. So for Mm -hmm. me, it's all been about, let's see who you resonate with. Let's see who you connect with. Business is a team sport. And for me, it's about, I'm good at my bit. So I want to partner and collaborate with people who are just as good at their bit. Um, And podcasting has been a phenomenal tool to do that globally without ever having to set foot there. Right. Right. That's a very right. interesting, you know what you're saying. So you believe podcasting then is, is a good strategy for lead generation. Incredible. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had, I did a post actually, I think it was probably last week now um, because my, my focus has been on working a lot with our investment partners recently. Mm-hmm. So since about end of January, we've not really looked at the leads that have been coming back from podcasting for us. So I had a look the other day and there was over 1900 leads. Wow. These are 1900 people who've registered to say, we're interested in your services. Can we talk to you? And they've been on, I mean, these are all captured through the website as well. Mm-hmm. So these are people who've been on the website, see what we do, not be around the bush. They've seen the prices of what we do and they've gone, I'm interested in a call. I want to learn more information. So yeah, podcasting, I mean, even now it continues to fuel us, but I, I grew and sold Uh, I exited two professional services agencies. I scaled them both using podcasting and even then found the investors and the people who would buy them through a podcast. Through a podcast. Um, 
so it's 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 like rocket fuel for us wow wow, wow that wow. is remarkable actually there's a, as peter mentioned earlier there's a lot of people that are trying to do podcasting and mm-hmm. and uh are not able to monetize their podcasting what advice yes. would you have for those people stop trying to run it like a tv or radio show okay uh would be number one so less than 10 percent of podcasters will ever make any money from it uh, and as somebody who's made money from it repeatedly for the past 12 years i can honestly tell you that if you design your strategy if you design your strategy to grow an audience you're going to struggle to monetize if you design your podcast to network and leverage up and collaborate the audience will come as a bike product because it feels more authentic and more natural um they get a behind the scenes snapshot into how people do business. And that's, that's far more valuable for people. So actually both will grow simultaneously that way. But I, I, I like to use this as an example because these, these two points often make people sit up and go, what? So the first one is you can make money from a podcast that doesn't have any listeners. Yeah. See exactly. Right. And let me tell you how, okay. okay Number one, <laughs> There, are, there will be people it, with the guests that you're meeting, there will be people in their phone book. And in fact, this works with hosts as well. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether it is a guest strategy or a host. There will be people in their phone book that could fuel your business for a good while. And likewise with you. So if we just, at the end of this call, we turn everything off and we, we say, listen, let's make three or four introductions for each other. That's money for each other, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the mm-hmm. first way. Mm-hmm. The second way is that, if you've ever worked with a marketing agency or a marketing manager, they will always tell you that their biggest gripe is that their client doesn't create enough content because what happens is they go to the CEO and it's like, you need to create more content. And the CEO is going, well, isn't that what I hired you for? You're the marketing agency. You create the content. So what ends up happening is they end up trying to do their best interpretation of what they think your voice should be within the industry. Well, if they're repurposing a podcast interview, whether it had zero listeners or not, it's no longer an interpretation of your voice. It is your it voice. It is your voice. Yeah. yeah. Right? The third and final way is through direct outreach, right? Everyone's got a, an email marketing list. Everyone's got a LinkedIn account. We've all got people to talk to. But the amount of people I speak to that say, you know, I've got 20,000 connections on LinkedIn and I never get any leads from it. It's like, then you're not fishing with the right bait because if there's loads of fish in that pond and you're throwing your rod in and catching nothing, you're not using the right bait. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a great way to do that is let's use the example a minute ago of the repurposing content for your social media page. Mm -hmm. We repurpose this particular interview and we stick out five 60 to 120 second long videos onto our LinkedIn. Four of those videos get a thousand views. One of them gets 5,000 views and a load of comments. That's clearly the one that's resonating with the audience. Right. So now I'm going to take that video and I'm going to message it directly to the top 20, 30 people that I want to work with on LinkedIn. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm not going to cold pitch you because I hate it when people do that to me. Here's a link to a podcast I did recently discussing this, this, and this. Check out this little clip. If it resonates with you, let's jump on a call and learn more about each other. Okay. 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 Very good advice. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. So, <clears throat> on your on your website, you talk about uh, being a pub podcast publicist. Mm-hmm. I think you've covered a little bit of that already. But um, mm-hmm. for our audience, can you expand on that a bit? So we do actually do publicity across the board for businesses. So we do a lot of keynote speaking stuff, television stuff. I, I mean, I class it as new media. I like mm-hmm. the new media stuff. Um, don't get me wrong. We'll do some of the print stuff, but it doesn't it doesn't really interest me all that much. It's kind of radio, podcast, TV, uh, keynote speaking events, and movies is a new one for us over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, which is pretty fun. 
Um, but we always start with podcasting and podcasting will remain my favorite form of media, which people always think is really strange. It's like, you've got you're into your second season of your TV show, but podcasting is still your favorite thing to do. Mm. And it's like, yeah, because when we record a TV show, we do two hours of which you'll get to see 43 minutes. Right. Right. And somebody else decides which bits will be most important and they rip bits out and do all this kind of stuff. And for me, podcasting is so authentic and so genuine that Mm -hmm. people really get to know who you are. So, I mean, Salesforce say that in 2021, you need 21, 21 touch points from somebody to buy from you from never having heard of you. I remember when it was six, do you? And seven. I remember seven not long ago. Crazy. So, but now it's 21 touch points from never having heard of you to doing business with you. That goes down to more like four or five if they've listened to your podcast episode because the brain can't tell the difference between meeting somebody digitally and meeting somebody in person. And a great example of that is how many times have you been sad when a celebrity died? Right, I remember being really sad when Robin Williams died. I, I didn't know Robin Williams. No, <laughs> no but, but I felt like I did. And I was sad when he passed away because this guy had been on my screen my whole life. I'd grown up watching his movies. Well, it's the same kind of philosophy. It's the same science behind it. If they've listened to a number of your podcasts, it's like they've listened to several hours of you having a conversation and they feel like they know you. So by the time they come on the phone, you know, the conversation is much more friendly and peer to peer because you've already got rid of that entire ice breaking stage. They know who you are. They know what you're about and they want to have a conversation with you. And that's that's very fruitful. Obviously. So how, just briefly, if, if someone watches the show and says, wow, I'd, I'd really like to talk to Phil, uh, what, what do you do with a new client? How do, you, how do you get them on board? It's a good question. So the first thing I would say is we're very picky over who we work with. Uh, I know it sounds like an awful thing to say, um, but we've got a 100% success record over the past six years and we, we didn't get that accidentally. Uh, realistically, <laughs> we'll probably work with around 100 current and future industry leaders each year. No more, no less, really. Um, now, we have a couple of programs that people can get involved in, whether it's kind of a group training thing, because often that's all people need, right? And mm-hmm. if, they, if they if they want to make some money, if they want to do well, but they don't really need to be at the top of their industry, they don't want to be the apple of their market, you know? Um, then actually all they need is the strategy and the formula as to how to go and do this. There are plenty of podcast guest booking sites out there that you can go and use either for free or for a relatively low cost, Mm -hmm. but you need the strategy to figure out how you're going to turn that into money. So um, we teach that through our group training sessions. If you want something a bit more one-on-one, we still offer some starter packets, which are a mixture of, I call it giving you a fish whilst teaching you to fish. Um, You know, because for me, the, the idea of just here have a fish well you're going to be dependent on me next month again for a fish aren't you whereas this way i'd rather say look here's how we get the fish let me show you and i'll get a fish for you now you go away and do your own sort of thing Mm. um so it's a mixture of done for you plus coaching Uh, and it's it's all really designed around i mean look i'm a surveyor by trade so i like really right (laughs) so uh royal institute of chartered surveyors qualified i studied with them through the university of wales and, and my attitude to everything is i want the blueprint so when you see that great, amazing building or stadium, I see X amount of bricks times this amount of glass times this amount of man hour equals this. Um, and I try to do the same with the business strategy. So, you know, if you if your ambition right now as a startup business is to trade on NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange and is to be, you know, a billion dollar business, well, let's reverse engineer it. What's where do you where are you trying to get to? Where are you right now? And let's design the roadmap that's going to get you there. And that will be a combination of getting you the right funding, the right media attention. But actually, 
business is a team sport, as I said earlier. So it's about who, who you're going to need to add to your team, both mm-hmm. internally and externally, externally, to make this a realistic possibility. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about podcasts, naturally, we're thinking of audio versions. But do you mm-hmm. think it's just as important to have the video version, just like what we're doing right now? Honest answer? Yes. No. 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 Okay. I like video. But I don't think so. I mean, the way people engage with podcasts is slightly different, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at the the user behavior of YouTube videos, for example, people skip a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll also have started to notice now when you go into the comments on a YouTube video, particularly the larger videos, people will say, oh, the good stuff starts around this and they'll put a timestamp and people will mm-hmm. click on that timestamp and go straight to that bit. Um Whereas with a podcast, people tend to listen to it differently, right? You, you, you tend not to listen to a YouTube video in your pocket whilst doing something else, but you right. will treat a podcast that way. So you'll listen to it in the gym, on the way to the gym, whilst driving, whilst pottering around your house doing stuff with your headphones on while you're working, uh, you know, whilst you're in the garden. There's a whole range of places that you will engage with a podcast that you are less likely to engage with your phone to watch a video. Um, I prefer it for the repurposing of the marketing, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Even that's not entirely necessary, but I think people like to see a face when it's a sort of 60 to 120 second clip uh, for the marketing repurposing. But actually, I mean, even if you, I think if you look at the demographics of what, what you do with your own podcast, I think you'll probably find that more people will listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Player, Google Pods, all this kind of stuff than will watch the YouTube video. Um, and the reason for that is that more people are able to engage with it as an audio only file than are able to sort of engage with it in the way that we currently behave with video. Right. Um, Plus, I think people are becoming more and more accustomed to audio-only content. I mean, if you look at the likes of things like Clubhouse, um, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter are both creating their own versions of that. Uh, and it's going to be these audio-only platforms where people can come on. And I think, for me, a large reason behind that is, you know, we're all used to audio because we've all, we've all had a phone, right? Hmm. We've all been used to speaking with people on the phone. But how many people freak out about going on video? You know, they have a real thing about it. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't like seeing myself on video. I don't want to be on video. I don't want to do that. You know, I've seen people in the recruitment space who would be perfect for a job and they won't go for the interview because it's a video interview. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. it's because we're used to the phone. So it's actually yep. not that much of a detraction away from I can do an audio conversation with somebody getting on camera feels a little bit stranger for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think to add to that, two things I, I want to mention that certainly my generation and probably people 20 years younger than me in their early years, childhood and teenage years, probably listened to the radio more than TV, right? True. So there's yeah. again that reinforcing the audio, but what about the actual production? We, we like to interview people on video because it mm. seems to us uh, easier, more comfortable, and more natural than only hearing their voice. You know, we can pick up a little bit of the nonverbal communication, which you, mm. you don't get on straight audio. What's your thoughts on that, Phil? I think it's true, but I mean, an example of that would be the podcast that I record. I don't record video, but we'll see each other whilst we're having the conversation. So we'll ah, still okay. see each other in the way that, you, that we're seeing each other right now to pick okay. up on those nonverbal cues and and how that's going and, and kind of, you know, it, that, that is helpful whilst having the conversation. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel it's as necessary whilst listening to the conversation. Okay. 
Would you? Um, Would you? So it's you know it's the same with radio, isn't it? I mean, if you've ever yeah. worked in radio, you'll know that the, the people in the studio can see each other. They quite like yes. to do interviews with the people in the studio so that they can see each other and give them a thing, you know, that the, give them the thumb or you know give them a bit of a okay, wrap it up now. You need to shut up talking, kind of hand gesture. But you don't really need to see that as put to enjoy the interview. In fact, it, in some cases, it might even detract from the quality of the radio interview. You, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Interesting. No, our current situation with the virus, COVID. How is mm. that? What's that done to the podcast industry? It's. I mean, it's it's poured petrol on it, um, yes. because, <laughs> because um, I mean, I have. I often think to myself, "Oh God, not somebody else with the podcast." Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of podcasting, but not everybody should have their own podcast, and even fewer people should have their own TV show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's lots of people that start podcasts and because they are trying to run it like a radio or TV show, they have vanity metrics in mind, right? So they'll mm-hmm. go, well, if I don't get to 10,000 listeners after six episodes, I'm just going to quit. And the, the amount of people that quit with less than 10 episodes under their belt is, is staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst it's done a lot for the podcast, people who are podcasting, it's also really kind of led to people looking at this whole podcasting movement and going, well, I wonder how else we can make money from this. Do, do guest appearances help? You know, can I sponsor a show? Is that going to help me get some attention? Uh, how do I get sponsorship? How do I get advertising? Um, now, an interesting stat that I, I read the other week was that uh, Africa as a continent, for example, the number of podcasters in Africa doubled last year, really? which, is, which is an incredible stat, but they're still 10 years behind the US market. Yeah. yeah. So the, the amount of growth opportunity there is is absolutely mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I mean, I spoke to a guy a couple of days ago who runs this podcast in Mauritius, and he said, I can't believe that 70% of my listeners are in the U.S. And I said, I can, because the U.S. are very, very active when it comes to listening to podcasts. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't create content for other areas, because those areas are growing rapidly, and they're emerging. So there's a, there's a whole wealth and plethora of opportunities within within podcasting for people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as I said, I mean the way the way I liken it is 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 quite a, a steadfast rule, and, and not everybody will agree with this, but I don't care. <laughs> it works for me, so whatever. Um, your podcast is about networking and about learning, right? Appearing on yep. somebody else's podcast is about value add, credibility, and sales. Right. End of discussion. So if you're trying to get sales through your podcast, it can be done. I did that strategy as well when I first started. It can be done, you know, interviewing potential guests on your show and building a relationship with them that way in terms of uh, I would like to work with these 50 companies. So I'm going to invite each of their CEOs onto a podcast and build a relationship with them. That can be done. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to sell to an audience, I liken this to are you going to have more success making sales appearing as a keynote speaker at already established events in your industry, or is it going to be better for you to start your own exhibition and event and make yourself the keynote speaker and try and get sales that way? It's exactly yep. the same thing with a podcast. It's, it's, it's so much easier to appear on somebody else's show to generate that interest and speak to existing crowds than it is to try and generate your own audience out of fresh air and, and sell from there. You're right. You're right. And that's a really good way of looking at it, that analogy with events. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So Kathleen, over to you. Looking through your crystal ball, Phil, what mm. does the future hold for billionaires and boxers? 
it's an exciting time for us. Um, it really is. I mean, this this business, as I kind of alluded to earlier, has a mind of its own these days. Um, I mean, I, I'm a surveyor. I've got nothing to do with publicity, <laughs> nothing to do with media. Um, I, I discovered this stuff because I needed a way of generating sales for my business. You know, I'd grown and sold the two sports podcasting networks and, you know, I wondered whether I could make it work for business and, and found some strategies through trial and error. I mean, what's it, what is it they say? It's a overnight success, 12 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I made all the mistakes so that other people don't have to, but that's already led us to things like, I mean, we've just won funding for our very first movie that we're going to start recording at the end of the year. Um, you know, we create 250 hours worth, not just for us, but for our clients, 250 hours per month of business content across 15 different satellite television networks. Per month. Uh, per month. Wow. 200, and wow. and let, me, let, you, let me let you in on a little secret. That's because that's how much we can handle right now. They would quite happily throw three, four times that amount of time at us, especially during COVID, because they can't get into the studio to record. So the cost of reruns has gone through the roof. So that anybody who can create great content virtually for them is worth their weight in gold right now. And they're just like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Listen, we're going to lose sponsors if we don't find another 100 hours of content for this month. Can you take it? And it's like, look i can take that bit but i can't take all of it um because there's a lot that goes into television production yeah not least of all that you have to have at least 10 episodes before they'll even start to talk to you about scheduling um so it's a lot of work that goes into this kind of stuff well tell me yeah that's a huge amount of work but i think for billionaires in boxers um i mean my my aim is still i would i want to be the world's most recognizable entrepreneurial broadcast network so at some point i don't want to be on other people's tv networks i want to be the tv network um and that's definitely one place that we're heading the other which is something you know up until a couple of years ago i never would have imagined me even saying but at some point we will get involved in that investment fund space we know where the mm-hmm. investors are we come across a lot of great businesses ourselves so at some point, we will become our own capital fund uh, and we will be investing in businesses from the emerging markets and helping mm-hmm. them to, to either go public or at very least break into more of the established markets and, and show the world what they can do. Wow. And with the foot in Africa, you're in the right place for that. Well, foot in Africa, uh, last seven, eight years working quite extensively with Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've already set up two businesses and two offices in Latin America. So we've got a business registered in Panama and I have a small team in Brazil. So we're already getting ready for Latin America as well. So yeah, I love those emerging markets. You know, they, they say necessity is the mother of invention, right? And those places still have a lot of problems, but now they have the technology and the communications and the connections to start doing something about it. And, yeah. and, and I actually feel if you look at kind of North America, I, I mean, I think Central Europe for this as well, but if you look at mainland Europe and you look at North America, you know, we've become lazy, lazy. You know, we, if Amazon's not here within the next day, we're going to freak out. <laughs> um, you know, it's like Amazon prime, you know, Amazon now have a grocery shop thing where you get a one hour shop time after you finished. And you're like, how lazy have we become? Whereas, you know, now in Africa as well, you know, there are, there are towns and villages that five years ago were completely off the grid. Now they've got yeah. fiber optic lines running through them. That's, yeah. that's going to change how business gets done. Oh, absolutely. And, but to, to, sorry, to throw in an, an, one to counter your uh, mother's 
what necessity is the mother invention. Mm. One, a good one I heard the other day of someone who, again, is expanding in Africa. He says, where there's chaos, there's opportunity. Now, I'm oh, not saying so Panama and Brazil are in chaos, but... Oh, they're yeah, a little bit. <laughs> they're a little bit, yeah. And, and it's so true. Having lived in Africa so long myself, I know um, where there's chaos or, or instability, there's always opportunities, right? Well, the, the mistake that a lot of people make with those markets is to think, oh, well, now they've got the connectivity. All that will happen is that business will start to improve in those areas for those areas. Well, let me tell you that I know at least five to 10 firms who are based in Cape Town alone who don't work with any African clients. Mm -hmm. They work with clients from the more established markets of the US, the UK, Germany, France. And the reason they do that is they can undercut ever so slightly the prices of the agencies in those places while still making a great profit. And they are still incredibly highly trained. You know, mm-hmm. South, South Africa, for example, is, is an English speaking country yeah. with a very great standard of education. You know, yep. don't think for a second if you're a business, you know, doing trading services across the US, for example, that they can't rival you. you you'd be sadly mistaken. Many times they're going to beat you at what you do and they'll beat you on price too. So that's, that's really going to change the global landscape of how people do business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, going back to Africa, Africa for all the problems Africa's had, uh, people have had to learn to make a plan as the good old South African saying goes. Because, we'll make a plan. Yeah. yeah we'll make a plan. Uh, I've got a, my evergreen question. I like to ask really successful people and, and mm. you, it's been great talking to you. With all the successful people you've seen and coached and worked with and helped, is there one single characteristic that sets those successful people apart from the average? Or is it, is it more than one? What's a key? There's probably two that I think okay. of that, that, that they all share. Uh, number one is a winning mindset. Okay. Right? They, don't, they, don't, they don't expect success. To, so they don't arrive at success accidentally. Right. 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 They are a champion before they set foot on the field. They have a champion's mindset and then they go about winning that Super Bowl. That's how that works. They don't get there by accident. Um, and, it, and it's the mindset that they have. It's the we're going to we've started something. It's going to be great. In fact, it's going to rival the guys at the top of the industry. Do you want in? Mm-hmm. And that attitude is infectious and they don't just say it. They live it. And they truly believe it and they make decisions that many entrepreneurs wouldn't. So great example of that in a, in a real life working example would be many entrepreneurs when they start will say things like, well, I'll keep my pricing low for now. I'll just win a few clients and get to this stage and then I'll up the prices and I'll change the quality of the people that we work with. Whereas these winning entrepreneurs will say, no, no, my bar is set here. I don't care if I've got zero clients and zero dollars. I'm not dropping my standards or pricing for anybody. I know what it's worth. I know what it can do join me or don't. And let me tell you, it's far easier to win a $50,000 client than it is to win a $500 client. Yeah. Far, far easier. Yeah. Far, far easier. The second thing that I would say that they all have in common is they think very differently about money. And okay, this is something that I had to learn. So I came from a, a single parent family on benefits. So I didn't have any money. And, and I did have some success in business. And I used to really kind of, I didn't realize this, but I used to really turn people off with the way that I would communicate with them about money because I would talk to them how I thought I would need to talk to them. So I would say things like, um, look, if you invest in this, what I'm going to do is get this return and this is what I'm going to do with it. And then you're going to get this return inside five years. And it's like, Phil, you know, once you get past a certain stage of money, 
but we don't even talk about money. It's not even a thought process. You know, I don't have to check my account. I don't need to know how much is in there. Money is not even a frequency that's on my in my lexicon anymore. I don't, it's, I don't pay any attention to it. What I want to know is how much of a transformational aspect is this going to have on people's lives? You know, is this going to make the world a better place? Do you have good mm-hmm. corporate social responsibility? So a great example would be the investment community. Most people would think, oh, I have to earn X amount before I could go and speak to an investment partner. And they're going to want to take huge percentage. And they're essentially a corporate loan shark. In five years, they're coming back for their money. Well, let me tell you, the vast majority of people in that investment community that I work with, the most important thing to them, whether you've made a dime or not in your business, is the quality of your leadership team and the vision that you have for your growth. If you have those things, they can work with the rest of it. I don't need you to be making money. I know how to make money. I don't need you to be making money. I need you to have the right leadership, the right men, the right mentality and the right vision as to where you're going. If you've got those three things, we can throw the money at you to help you to be successful. Wonderful. Now that, that is, that is fantastic. Very interesting. Thank you for those two. Well, we are almost out of time, Phil. We are. uh, If people were interested, how do they contact you? Oh, well, thank you. And just going to say, it's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, genuinely, I, I love these conversations. They're always a lot of fun. And, and hopefully people have, have taken a lot away from this. And, you know, uh, this is the joy of podcasting, right? It's like Marmite. There will be some people mm-hmm. listening to this going, this guy's a lunatic. Um, I hope I never come across him again. And there'll be other people nodded along, frantically writing notes, keep pausing every five minutes to write down the next thing. So if this has resonated with you, you like the sound of what I'm doing, uh, in the show notes below, you'll find two links. One of them is to billionairesinboxes.com. The other one is to billionairesinboxes.com starter pack or starter package. I can never remember which. Check it out in the show notes below. Go click on it and have a look and see what that looks like. Follow it to the website. There's a load of social proof on there. It'll talk to you about the kinds of things that we do. If it's resonating with you, book in a call with us. Let's have a conversation. Let's learn more about each other. And if it fits and works together, then we'll figure something out. If nothing else, I always like to say out of every conversation, you should at least have a few more steps to take to move you further forward. So true. Thanks, Phil. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. It's been wonderful. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. Once again, please, we love reading your comments. So keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. Until next time. Bye-bye.